0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I'm fine with breastfeeding, I'm fine with bike races, but you shouldn't do both at the same time.
0: Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I'm Brian Morris.
0: I'm Stacey Kulo.
1: We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows.
0: And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows.
1: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
0: And this week we watch season five, episode 22, the season five finales of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, A House Is Not a Home,
1: as well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Gift.
0: Ooh boy.
1: These were intense intense
0: things aren't going great for the girls at the end
1: the Gilmore girls are just girls if both shows the
0: titular girls
1: yeah well well hmm, hard to say
0: well it is hard to say I will give you that but um they both end on a bit of a downer
1: yeah that's true
0: but they were both good I thought
1: yeah both were good what's new with you I got a new job
0: you did <laughs>
1: yeah i didn't tell you uh new job new girlfriend uh i I live in a new apartment is that where you've been yeah that's why you don't see me right now uh anyways my last podcast guys just let you know things are looking (laughs) real up for me (laughs) oh no no i do have a new job
0: yeah it's the same same job but promotion
1: right Yeah. yeah it means i have insurance now which means i get to live and you get to live
0: well you might have to marry me or sign some paperwork or something though
1: Well, guys, I need to move on. It turns out I did not get a new job, I guess. Uh (laughs)
0: Brian?
1: (laughs) Stacy?
0: No, you you work for the same company. You got a better job.
1: I got a much better job at the same company.
0: But you got crazy hours now.
1: I do. I work 1 p.m. to 11 p.m., four days a week.
0: Today was literally the first day of that schedule. So you and I don't know what time is anymore.
1: Yeah, we're doing the podcast right now at midnight. What the hell are we doing?
0: I don't know. I mean, you and I are, are night owls. This schedule works for our lives. Yeah. Like, we, we're 2 a.m. to 9 or 10 a.m. sleeping people, generally.
1: That's what we are.
0: Maybe even 3 to 11. So it works out, but... We were operating by the rules of the world, and now our life is just like a weird thing that exists only in our apartment, and time is <laughs> wacky. And our cat's confused.
1: Yeah, our cat's like, What, well, you're setting a timer for me every night now? Yes, because we're not getting up at 8 a.m. anymore, buddy. Okay, that's your thing. You got to feed yourself, dude. Yeah.
0: We don't know when to eat. It's, it's wild. We'll figure it out. But we'll things it out. might be weird.
1: I'm not going to go to Yale. I know that. Things have changed. <laughs> anyway, my show is over.
0: I did it. It was good.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. We had a fan come. Kathleen came. Yeah. Kathleen is super funny. Great fan. It was fun to see her.
0: You might recognize her from the Patreon watch party chats.
1: Um, But also a bunch of your friends. It was great. Good job.
0: Yeah, people came. They laughed. Nothing really went badly. We will do it again. We're talking about when and where and how. Maybe we'll swap some things out. Probably not exactly where we did it the exact same way, but everyone wants it to happen again that's involved with it. So hopefully it happens again. But yeah, I was I was pleased with the effort. And you gave me a cute little card that says you should be proud of yourself with a fox on it. And I hung it up by my desk. And I just think that I want to share it with everyone. Everyone, you should be proud of yourself. Fox face.
1: Well, not everybody. Some people did some stuff they should be ashamed of.
0: Yeah, but those people don't listen to this.
1: Yeah, they do. But they're like jerking off during Zoom meetings while they listen.
0: Jeffrey Tubin does not listen to He us.
1: loves our podcast. <laughs> okay.
0: We do have one five-star review. Ooh. Thank you so much to Alex La Jazista from Mexico. Thank you. I like that name. Should we get into it, Brian?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. Well, this week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, please tell everyone about A House Is Not A Home.
1: So this episode's about Rory's downfall. Do you think this is it? This, I mean, this or the last one. It's like every season is like, what if Rory did something dumb?
0: You keep reading about the downfall of Rory Gilmore, and you're like, when does that happen? But you think no. this is it now?
1: <laughs> I saw one YouTube video title that was The Downfall of Rory Gilmore, and the last two season finales have definitely given us a little downfall. She's not falling up. <laughs> she's not falling up.
0: I mean, she's got a rich boyfriend now.
1: <laughs> okay. So this episode opens with Lorelai picking Rory up from jail. If you guys remember, she tried to steal a yacht with Logan at the end of the last episode because of what... Mitchum Huntsberger had said to her about her not being good enough or not having what it takes to be a journalist. So Lorelai enters the police station and tries to make some small talk with the officer behind the front desk. It's awkward.
0: Yeah, Lorelai hates this. She's like nervous and rambling. She's worried Roy's in the system now.
1: Logan's friends Finn and Colin show up to take him home and they sit next to Lorelai. They're just like loudly talking about what a scamp Logan is and celebrating his mischievousness. When they find out that Lorelai is Rory's mom, Finn says, My God, those are good genes. And then they assure her that they would have also given Rory a ride home too. Rory's released, and then she and her mom silently leave, and then Colin and Finn like bow down to her and jokingly worship Rory. They make a reference that Logan is Maxwell smart, and he's finally found his 99. I get that reference, because I used to watch Nick at Night. But it's one of those things, too, where it's like, how many of these college kids are, like, watching Nick at Night and, like, making Get Smart references?
0: I don't know that reference, but you're about the age of these people, so.
1: I am, and i never made a Get Smart reference in my life. It's possible this is when the Get Smart movie came out with Steve Carell. I don't know, but I don't think so. Lorelai stops at Luke's to get some food on the way home, leaving Rory in the car. She opens the door to Luke's and just says, well, Rory stole a yacht. How's your night been? Then Lorelai just starts having a meltdown about everything, about whether or not she's got the right kind of soap that Rory's going to need to wash her fingers after being fingerprinted, what this will mean for Rory's voting future, etc., etc. But then she collects herself when she returns to Rory in the car. Rory explains that her yacht-stealing fiasco happened because she was just so upset that mitchum Huntsberger told her that he didn't think she had what it took to be a journalist. Lorelai tries telling her that, like, Mitchum doesn't know what he's talking about, and Rory's like, well, like... He literally is the guy who does know what he's talking about with this stuff. And then Rory starts having the exact same meltdown that Lorelai had earlier. She's like, am I going to need soap? What am I going to do? That kind of stuff. Also, there's something else going on in the scene. Uh, Taylor Dosey has arranged for a big bike race to start and finish here in Stars Hollow. And he tells Lorelai when she parks that she's only got a few minutes before her parking spot becomes a tow-away zone. And she's like, well, we'll deal with that in a minute. And he doesn't like it. So this whole time that Lorelai and Rory are like having this like important conversation in the car about like what happened in her future, Kirk is just like slowly and aggressively getting ready to tow them. Like he's being very aggressive. Like he points at them one point. He's like, "I'm coming for you." <laughs> it's funny, but it also is like Kirk. Kirk is this character that like is such a sweetheart, but then is like very mean and vindictive. Also, <laughs> like I mm-hmm. don't. He's sort of just like whatever they need for the joke. Like his personality shifts a lot.
0: They've kind of set up that he's dedicated to Taylor. And in this case, Taylor wants him to do this. Yeah. I thought it was so funny when Taylor was trying to get Lorelai's attention. (laughs) She was just like chasing her and she could hear him but was choosing not to.
1: And he's like, turn around, turn around, turn around.
0: (gasps) Lorelai, behind you, turn around.
1: Yeah, he's pathetic.
0: also just want to point out Luke's super supportive. Yeah. He's like trying to help her think of ways to deal with it. He offers her his soap. Also, why does Rory question whether or not her mom has soap? She's like, I need to wash this off. Do you have soap at home? Which we learned Lorelai does not. But I would never question if my mother was going to have soap at her house.
1: I agree with you, except that Lorelai had the same questions, which leads me to believe that Lorelai just like doesn't stock stuff. I mean, she definitely doesn't stock food. So maybe she doesn't stock soap. That's true. We should also mention that Rory gets a phone call from Logan, and Lorelai's like, don't take that, don't take that. And she's like, I got to, it's Logan. And Lorelai's like, he's like the last person you need to talk to, he got you into this. And Rory's insistent that, no, he didn't, I did, I got him into this. And she answers the phone, and we don't hear what he says, but it seems clear to me that he's asking if she's okay, and then her next comment is, oh, I was just worried about if you're okay, which is kind of nice, because it's letting us know that Logan was worried about her.
0: Yeah, and isn't upset about what happened. Right. Right. Also, Lorelai is, like, notably miffed with Rory. Mm-hmm. But the scene does end with her telling her to relax. They're going to figure it out together.
1: Right. Because Lorelai's a great mom. In fact, the next day, Lorelai is teasing Rory about being arrested. She puts up her mugshot on the fridge, gives her bread and water to eat for breakfast, and then makes her talk across the table on two phones like it's visiting hours. Honestly, I felt like this scene was super cute, Super lighthearted and fun. Like, she's teasing her daughter, but like, I don't know, it's it's lovingly done. It's not like, I'm so angry at you. It's like, we're poking fun at this thing you did you shouldn't have done, but in a way that lets you know that I love you.
0: I hope she bought soap when she went out to buy two matching corded phones. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. That's funny.
0: <laughs> she did not just have those two
1: phones lying around. The nice thing is, though, just a piece of bread is generally something that Lorelai could cook. <laughs>
0: She also plays the chain gang.
1: Yes, she does on the radio.
0: And she's got this whole like doc stealing heist scenario. <laughs> she's like bitching to her.
1: Yeah, Rory like rolls her eyes at all this, but she accepts it. Rory does ask her mom to not tell Emily and Richard or go through them for a lawyer. Laura Leszek, of course. And then Rory heads back to Yale. Then Logan calls for Rory. Laura is like pretty neutral with him on the phone, quite honestly. She's sort of like, you know, she's heading back to Yale. Not warm to Logan, but I would say pretty neutral. She's like, she's going back to Yale. You can talk to her there. Clearly maybe doesn't want to talk to Logan, but like isn't being rude to him. Until he mentions that Lorelai shouldn't worry because his father's lawyers will take care of everything. And then Lorelai's like, well, I think your father's done enough. So then when Logan catches up with Rory at Yale, he's like, what did my father do? Obviously he did something. Then he gets really pissed when she tells him what happened. And he's like, well, I'm going to go yell at my dad. My father's a bully and he doesn't care What he says, who it hurts, he just says what he feels no matter the consequences, which is interesting, right? And Rory points this out later, like, he's upset that his father said that to Rory, but he doesn't say, my dad has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't say, how could my dad be so blind about how good you are at being a journalist?
0: Sure. He does leave it a little open, though, like his dad could be wrong.
1: I don't know. I I mean, he's open in the fact that he's upset about it, but he doesn't, I, I feel like, My reaction would have been, oh, my God, my dad doesn't know what the hell he's talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, in the moment you get upset about something, you know, we can't blame Logan for not thinking of the perfect thing to say to his girlfriend at that moment. But it is interesting that he doesn't dispute what his father said. And Rory picks up on that.
0: He did say something like he doesn't care who he hurts, whether he's right or wrong or something like that, though. But you're right. He doesn't like say, come on, Rory, don't listen to him.
1: So he's going to go tell off his father, but Rory begs him not to do that. She's like, I just want to forget about all this. Rory's been worried for the last couple of episodes that like something's going to happen to ruin her relationship with Logan. I think she was really kind of thrown when things were going well and when they had their like open relationship and then they sort of drifted apart. And I think ever since she got things back on track, she's been like, I got to hold this boat steady, pun un- unintended. <laughs> Because she keeps saying, I just want things to be good between us. Things are going well. And I I I just want a boat. (laughs) I just need to get on the ocean. So I feel like she's just like, I don't, I I want, I I was going to say, I don't want to rock the boat. And it was unintentional. (laughs) Brian.
0: uh, But she wants to rock the boat so bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When he says, fine, he won't yell at his dad. Well, he does say like, he'll probably give me a shitty birthday gift and I can yell at him for that.
0: Yeah. Because like, if Logan makes it weird, it's already weird. Yeah. Then like, not only is her career weird, but their relationship's weird. I, I get why she wouldn't want him to.
1: Yeah, and it's going to make her look weak to his Mm -hmm. father.
0: She says, like, don't put me in that position.
1: Yeah. We should mention, too, that Logan is like, hey, I need you to be honest with me. Like, last night we stole this yacht, and I didn't realize it was because my dad said all this stuff to you. You know, you got to tell me these things. He's like, this doesn't mean we're not going to steal a yacht. I just need to know. (laughs) Meanwhile, Luke's diner is Filled with bicyclists while the race is going on outside. There's apparently a hole out there. And every time a bicyclist goes by it, they all keep yelling, big hole, big hole. Which obviously annoys Luke because what doesn't annoy Luke? Luke is inside, upset that he's getting such brightly colored business. I don't know why it's bothering him. Uh, Luke is signing the contract for the Twickham House. Dosey is there saying that Luke's got three days to change his mind about this contract, which is like one of those, it's like a checkoff's gone. It's like, if you're going to mention there's three days to cancel this contract, it's going to come up again in the plot. Like, if this it just,
0: didn't come up, I would be mad. Like, yeah. Why, why did we say that?
1: Yeah, it's like, obviously, we're going to address that. Lane is there having a band meeting during her break. The band is in trouble. They aren't practicing. Half of them have gotten actual jobs. And they've played all the nearby venues too many times. So Lane suggests maybe they go on a tour to, like, get stuff going again, get them motivated. But Gil says tours are too hard to schedule and book. It just seems like the band's not working. I mean, Brian's getting a job at Century 21. Gil's, like, really focused for some reason on his, like, sandwich delivery. That's, like, his main thing in this episode. And Zach is just playing video games. It actually is kind of frustrating. Like, what the fuck does Zach do? Like, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't practice. And he, he like, literally wakes up. To play video games.
0: He's throwing the troll, babe. He's what? <laughs> he wakes up, puts on the video game, and like two seconds later, he's like, oh, come on. I threw the troll. No, oh, yeah. It's like, how are you this deep in this video game already? You just started.
1: Yeah, and this is before video games could like really save. And, yeah. Yeah, and like every time there's like a band meeting or something, he's still playing. And he's like, I can't help. I'm on level 12 or whatever. So he just, I, I mean, I i i don't know how anyone likes Zach. I'm not a fan of him. It's also kind of funny, though, because... Lane's like, are we breaking up? And Zach's all like, wait, what? Oh, the band. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of funny.
0: Her drums are covered in stuff, like apartment mess.
1: Well, Brian's sweater's going to wrinkle.
0: Yeah, I love how he, like excited he is about his job. It's like you, you got a new job.
1: Yeah. And you're Brian. It's true. The scene ends with a uh, fed-up Luke getting just pissed off at these bikers outside yelling about the big hole. So he just like grabs a bat and goes outside, and then we just hear the bikers yelling, Big bat, big bat. (laughs) It's funny, but also, like, what is he doing? Is he going to murder somebody? I mean, that
0: would be an interesting scene to see. Is he just swinging it around out there?
1: Like, what is he doing out there? Because, like, I can't think of a scenario where he doesn't go to jail for something with a bat.
0: If you break down why he's upset about this race, it doesn't really make sense. He's getting more business. So unless they're all breastfeeding, I don't see what his problem is.
1: (laughs) A lot of them are, which I thought was irresponsible. <laughs> if you, I'm fine with breastfeeding. I'm fine with bike races, but you shouldn't do both at the same time. It's just too much.
0: We know Luke wants a child very bad, but hates breastfeeding.
1: Yeah. If Lorelai has a child with him, he, he's going to be like, it can't come in the diner, though.
0: Put a pin in bad, by the way.
1: Business is also booming at the Dragonfly Inn. It is also full of weird cyclists. We just like pan past a couple of cyclists that are just like checking the firmness of another cyclist's butt.
0: 600 lunges every night.
1: <laughs> it's just so like, what? Who is like, I gotta check the tightness of your butt? Michelle sees this and says to Lorelei that he wants that image, Eternal Sunshine, out of his mind. That was super funny. If you haven't seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, See it. It's a great movie. But it's about people erasing the memories of their exes so they don't have to, like, have the pain of those memories. So he wants to do that with these bicyclists touching each other's tight buns.
0: I'm so confused by, like, the logic of the racers. Like, they show them eating in the diner, they're in the hotel, but, like, the race is happening. Why are the bikers just chilling? Like, maybe there's staggered starts, I guess?
1: I don't know. I, I was also confused by, like, when is this happening? What?
0: It makes sense that, like, spectators would be yes. coming into Luke's and staying at the hotel. The Racers are just always hanging out.
1: Yeah. Or, like, it would be very popular before or after the race. But, yeah, the race is happening. There's still... A, maybe these are people that were going to race and they decided not to do it.
0: They're there to cheer on their friends, but they're wearing full bike outfits.
1: Yeah. It's like cosplay, but for bicyclists.
0: I worked at a place that the New York marathon the running marathon went by and yeah tons of people came but they were the people watching the race
1: right Lorelai receives a huge gift basket from Mike Armstrong of the Durham group that's the guy who wants to buy the inn she tells Michelle she's probably not going to sell the inn she just likes being wooed Luke stops by to fix some things and gets real upset when he finds out that Lorelai is even remotely considering this offer She's confused by why he's so upset. Because she doesn't know about Dean's prophecy. <laughs> if you guys remember, Dean was like, she's gonna leave you, Luke. She's gonna get bored. She wants more than you in Stars Hollow. And then his eyes went white and he like connected to the powers that be.
0: Oh, Dean.
1: No, Dean. Showing
0: up for that quick prophecy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of prophecies just, on these shows.
0: He's gonna pop up like once a season.
1: <laughs> Rory's gonna leave Yale.
0: He's got like a cloak on.
1: (laughs) I've got to go back to Supernatural.
0: I like the part where Luke's like, who's Mike Armstrong? And Lorelai is just like, oh, he owns a diner in Woodbury. I didn't want you to find out this way. He
1: just ignores her. (laughs) Well, Luke's got, he understands her bits. He's just like, yeah, this is a bit. I don't care. Let's get to the actual information. I know, but I loved it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is because she wasn't going to take this meeting with Mike. He encouraged her to do it, but then he's surprised that she did it. Not because she took it, but because she never mentioned it to him
0: you think she would have mentioned it to
1: him. I agree, but you have to understand, though, that he has got this whole, like, secret fear that she's going to leave him, and she has no idea that he has that fear. He
0: also hasn't been telling her he wants babies and is buying houses for them. That's kind Oh, of absolutely.
1: That it is totally fucked up. Well, I don't think what she did was fucked up. I'm saying that I just don't, I could see why she wouldn't mention it if she didn't realize he was so insecure about this.
0: Right, because she doesn't know about the prophecy.
1: She doesn't know about the prophecy. If she had seen what was written in the scrolls, the Dean scrolls, <laughs> she would <laughs> definitely tell him.
0: It is really weird that Luke's planning all this without even telling her, though.
1: I do agree with you, but I would also say that, like, maybe there's some romantic elements to it. Like, he wants to present her all of this and be like, hey, this is an option. Because he could always sell the house. That's true. To Kirk for a pretty penny. Well, he's getting really upset. She doesn't understand why. And then he's like, what about the kids? And she's all like, what kids? And Luke doesn't say the kids were going to populate the house I secretly bought for us with. (laughs) Instead, he's like, uh, uh, never mind, I'm, I'm going to go fix the window and then leaves.
0: She also says she doesn't know the details of the business arrangement she might be making. She says she's still mulling, but like, she knows nothing about her It's
1: option. like the writers don't know. <laughs> it's like yeah. the writers are like, I don't know, maybe she'll consult, maybe she'll sell it. I don't know, we don't know what we're going to do next season. We're going to wait till Dean tells us what happens.
0: <laughs> it just seems wild that she wouldn't ask more
1: questions. Right. She was probably doing bits the whole meeting with Mike Armstrong. He's like, what? Okay.
0: I guess she keeps saying she's not really interested, though, so maybe she yeah. just isn't.
1: Luke later then goes to Taylor and tells him that he's backing out of the Twickham House contract. All of this is, like you were saying, it's like, you know, Luke, a lot of this could be avoided if you just, like, said some of this stuff to her. Like, he could say to her, like, hey, if you're thinking about taking this job, what would that maybe mean for us?
0: Maybe she still wants, like, five kids to fill your weird big museum house with, Luke. Just talk yeah. to the lady. Yeah. They've notably never said they loved each other on camera. Just that seems important for where this episode goes to me.
1: That is a good point.
0: I don't know that she's ever said it to anyone. Maybe Max.
1: That's a good point. I don't
0: know. Maybe Max said it to her. The show doesn't really do that. I mean, Dean tried to tell Rory. But
1: yeah. it's You don't tell a Gilmore girl that you love her. It's not going to end well.
0: She didn't respect the prophecy. <laughs>
1: When he goes to tell Taylor that he's backing out of the Twickenham House deal, he, like, walks across the street and just all these bicycles fall. (laughs) It's really well choreographed, but also very funny.
0: It must have been so scary for the actor. He just, like, diagonally walks across the street confidently and just has to trust that these bikes aren't going to hit him.
1: Well, I mean, if they hit him, it's not like it's going to be fatal.
0: No, but it would hurt him and the biker, probably. Sure, yeah. It's clearly just a bunch of stunt dudes on bikes, but yeah, it's done really well.
1: Yeah, it's really funny. It is also confusing though because this is supposed to be where they like start and also finish. So I don't know why there's a lot of traffic. I guess maybe they do laps, but it doesn't sound like they do do laps.
0: It makes no sense.
1: The bike race. Speaking of people backing out on their dreams, oh. Lane visits her mom, who makes a joke about some antique dolls she's putting away. This is crazy. Mrs. Kim making a joke this is crazy. She doesn't make a lot of jokes. That's true. Lane tells her mom that the band seems to be breaking up, so she understands that she's going to have to move back in and is resigned to follow her mom's rules once again and even attend a Christian college. Then, surprisingly, Mrs. Kim gets up. She's not excited about her daughter moving in. She just says, you are not the daughter I raised. Kims don't give up. And then she just storms off. What is going on?
0: My question is, why does Lane need to move back home? She's got a job. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, like, the money they were getting from the band is, like, income she needs, to to live on her own.
1: I was wondering that, too. It doesn't seem like she would need to move back in. Or also, it's just like, is Zach paying for rent at all? I'm assuming he has to be.
0: Yeah. I bet he's got some job. He has to. Yeah. But, like, maybe they were making money from the band and they've stopped is what I have to assume. It can't be that much that she couldn't just, like, pick up another shift or something.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's weird.
0: If she's not going to school, she could just, like, work more if she's not doing the band. I don't know why she'd want to move back
1: home. Right, She's exactly. already, like,
0: made that change in her life Why go back.
1: I also feel like Zach would be like, why are you moving back home? What? We also have a scene at Yale where Rory is, like, kind of taking her last final exam. She's sort of just, like, staring off into the distance instead of writing anything.
0: Yeah. It was unclear if she just wasn't taking it or if she finished early. Because later she tells her mom her exam went well, but I mean.
1: But I couldn't tell if that was real or not. Right. She meets up with her mom for lunch at Weston's. Honestly, the outdoor seating looks really nice. I was like, ooh, I would like to eat there. And she tells Lorelai that she doesn't want to go to Yale next year. WTF?
0: I think you said that out loud or some version.
1: She doesn't even know if she wants to be a journalist anymore. Lorelai's like, this is because of what Mitchin said. And I get that he rattled your confidence, but you can't trust his opinion. His family wants you to break up with Logan. They told you that to your face. Like, he's got motives you don't understand. Like, it's not just that he's being honest with you. He he has motivations to try to, like, get you upset and leave Logan. Rory insists that it's not a big deal. Kids take time off from college all of the time. But Lorelai's like, no, you're going to lose your momentum and you're not going to ever go back. This is so interesting, right? Because last season, this is exactly the same thing That Rory was saying to Dean, she was telling Dean it was a mistake for him to take any time off from school, that he'll lose his momentum, that he'll never go back. And then he's all like, no, I'm just telling you about your future, Rory. (laughs) It's so interesting that like her opinion about Dean needing to go back to college, like sort of fucked up a whole marriage. And now she's all like, actually, you know, totally changed my mind. Logan took
0: a year off of school.
1: He did. Yeah. And also, to be fair, Rory didn't ruin a marriage. Dean did. Just being fair.
0: I also think this is a good time to point out that Richard made a prophecy in the episode where Rory writes the nasty article about the ballerina. Yes, the hippo. The hippo. Richard was like trying to tell her not to feel bad about it because sometimes people don't know at a young age that they're not good at doing something. Now that poor girl can go to business school.
1: Oh, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I just, when we watched that episode, I was like, oh. That's, Rory happens to her, this was...
1: Did you have a stroke in the middle of this
0: <laughs> epiphany? Yeah, it
1: really... Then, Rory, Twig'um house.
0: No, no Twig'um. <laughs> Twig'um was not in the prophecy. Mm. But that's interesting, right?
1: It is interesting. That
0: Rory's now the ballerina.
1: Good catch. You're smart.
0: Thank you. Gilmore Girls does prophecy too, Buffy.
1: <laughs> All right, Buffy.
0: But also... Rory's defense is like, okay, but yeah, this is like the guy to get criticism from. Because Lorelai's trying to say like, it's just one guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And Rory's like, no, this is like the guy. I saw Rory's point. My example was like, if the the woman that was in charge of the theater you and I were part of here in New York, back before COVID destroyed it.
1: You can say UCB. (laughs) It's not like you can't say
0: it. Yeah, but not everybody knows what it is. It is UCB for those that know what it is. If the woman that was in charge of that, when we were becoming part of that, told me I didn't have it, I would have like really probably believed that, or at yeah. least that would have really gotten to me. Yeah. And she isn't even like the top comedy person in the world. Right. If Lorne Michaels told me that, I probably would really believe it. I mean, I bet there's something in me that would be like, no, I want to prove i wrong. It is just one person. But this is like literally the top person in the industry. It seems in this reality that she's trying to impress has told her, no, you're not good at this. Right. There are other complications with it being her boyfriend's dad, but it would be hard to not let that mean something.
1: I mean, I think they both have good points, right? Because exactly what you said. It's not like just some random dude told you. It's like the guy who does know this shit told her his opinion and his opinion's real important. Mm -hmm. But as Lorelai points out, even if he is the best at all this, there's so many underlying motivations that you couldn't take it at face value. Which I think is true. Yeah, totally. But Rory goes on to say that she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life anymore. And she doesn't want to just stay at Yale, directionless, taking random classes. She's like, that's not what Yale's about. That's not what it's for. And it's super expensive. Lorelai counters that she's not paying for it, though. But in the same token, it's like she's taking up a spot for somebody else.
0: And she is paying for it eventually. She's supposed yeah. to pay her grandparents back. She also like, throws the fact that Lorelai didn't go to college in her face.
1: Well, I, I don't know that she does. I feel like that's how Lorelai takes it.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: But I think it was sort of like, you don't know what you're talking about and as far as this goes, Mom, because you haven't had that experience. I don't think she was like, you're dumb because you didn't go to college.
0: It does seem like Yale is not a place to just take Jenna and figure out your life.
1: Yeah, unless you're like super rich and you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. So the argument starts to really heat up. And at some point, Lorelai says, you know what? You need to go back to Yale and I'm letting you know it is not an option for you to just come back and stay at home and work part time while you try to, like, find yourself. That's not going to happen. And then Rory defiantly says, well, I'm not going back. And Lorelai's like, got it. It storms off. So Lorelei heads over to her parents' house. Before she arrives, though, we have a really funny scene. I know we just got serious, but this scene is, like, great. I love this scene. We have Richard and Emily having breakfast. Richard is reading the newspaper and doesn't seem to really be listening to Emily as she talks about her party plans with her friend Millie and the other things she's going to do during the day. Emily is like getting frustrated that Richard, once again, like he used to do, is just sort of like not paying attention or caring about her. And so she just like adds conversationally like, and then afterwards, I thought I'd run off with Marshall, the golf instructor at the club. You think you could get your own dinner tonight? Richard absently responds with a, uh, that'll be fine, Emily. But then, when Lorelai rings the doorbell and Emily asks who it could be, Richard looks up from his paper and says, perhaps it's Marshall, the golf instructor, unable to wait until after Millie's party to have you. I know I couldn't. (laughs) Emily's all like, you do still surprise me, Richard.
0: It's just the way he says to have you, <laughs> it's yeah. so funny.
1: This is so fun because it addresses the character growth that we got this season from Richard. I'm like so glad they do this because so many times, so many shows are like, "Oh, this person learned to appreciate his wife," and then next season it's like, "Nah, he's the same guy again." Because it's funnier if he's the guy he was before.
0: It does seem like he's being a sweetie pie in general the last few yeah. episodes.
1: Yeah, and and he's paying attention to his wife. It's just so important. It just really shows acting up acting
0: like he's not though.
1: Well, I have to say, what she's saying is boring shit, to be quite honest with you. okay. Also,
0: every person she knows has a made-up name.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, like, trying to read the paper, and she's all like, I'm going to a party today, and then I'm going to get some laundry. And it's like, what is he supposed to say? Like, oh, my God, Emily, what next?
0: Well, she asks him, like, maybe I could drop off something for you. And he's just like, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, the super riveting statement of maybe i could drop off your dry cleaning what's he supposed to say oh well that would be fabulous emily he could say i need this
0: specific thing dropped off but she
1: knows what she needs to drop off for him
0: sure when i drop off your dry cleaning which is never once
1: never one time has happened we don't even do each other's laundry by the way guys we do our own laundry
0: why would we do each other's you mean i don't together?
1: i don't mean you know real couples do each other's laundry like
0: you know, you do his; she does yours.
1: Yeah, that's then you look for lipstick on both. <laughs> See if you don't know where
0: anything is put away.
1: I have shrunk all of your clothes because I assume they could all be washed and dried together.
0: They cannot.
1: No, this scene really shows that Richard has grown since their separation and he's become a better partner since their reconciliation, and I liked that a lot. Then Lorelai comes in wearing a dress that looks like a window curtain. Uh, she's worn it before, and I hate it. Lorelai's outfits range from, like, the most gorgeous, beautiful, sexy outfits imaginable to, like, something I'm like, why would you ever wear that?
0: Yeah, there's been some questionable patterns, at least. She also shows up real sexy to Friday night dinner with just her parents later. I know. (laughs)
1: We'll talk about that later. Very conservative in this, again, window curtain that she's wearing. She shows up and she just tells them about Rory quitting Yale and the whole story about the Huntsburgers and their internship and Rory stealing the yacht. Emily and Richard are appalled by all this. They agree that they need to confront Rory at the next Friday night dinner and work together to convince her to continue at Yale and stop this craziness that Rory's got going on. Lorelai then thanks them sincerely, and there's a moment of like genuine connection and support and like family. That we haven't seen between the three of them in like a real long time. Like a real, real long time. Emily asks her when she's leaving if she wants something to eat. And Lorelai says, no, I just got everything I needed. Which is great. This is like this moment of like family and unity. And then she leaves. So it's all going to be okay, right? This is going to fix it. A couple of things about this scene.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there's a couple things we need to dive into here.
1: Yeah, totally. First off, Lorelai lets Richard tell his lawyer about the yacht. And Rory specifically told Lorelai not to mention to Richard or Emily about this whole yacht situation or to get their lawyers involved. So Lorelai sort of went against her daughter's wishes, which is a little like, oh, uh, well, she specifically asked you not to do that.
0: It was before she told her she was quitting Yale, though.
1: I agree, but it's still...
0: To be fair, Rory's gone against Lorelai's wishes a couple times with Grandma and Grandpa.
1: Absolutely, sure. Emily also asks if waiting until Friday night is a bad idea. And then Lorelai and also Richard say that they should give Rory some time to cool off and then they could just address it on Friday. And this decision ends up costing her.
0: Don't give her time. We learned from Luke. Don't give any days or you'll change your mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That Friday, before Friday night dinner, we get a funny scene where Richard is just like loudly asking a maid's opinion on his shoes being the same color. But she's, like, traumatized from just, like, working with him and Emily and just, like, stands there (laughs) silently trembling in fear.
0: It does seem like he's accusing her at first, but he really just did want her opinion.
1: Yeah, but his voice is just, like, this, like, loud, like, well, do these look like the same color? Almost like she messed it up. She's just shaking there like a little scared mouse. It's very He's finally, like, just, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just asking your opinion. Just go back to work. (laughs) But then the door rings and he's like, I guess I'll get it. You're closer to it, dude. It's your house. Get your own damn door. I mean, he literally pays someone to do that for him. So I do see his point there.
0: I know. It's going to be for you anyway.
1: She had to run into her little hole in the wall and eat some cheese. (laughs) But it's Rory at the door. She shows up and catches Richard off guard. She wants to talk about things that she's sure he's already heard of.
0: You can tell he's like, uh, don't be here now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not yet. Can't confront.
1: He's all like, I really am in the middle of something. I'm like, in the middle of what, traumatizing your maid right now? (laughs) He
0: has to figure out if his shoes are the same color.
1: He tries to convince her to wait until dinner to discuss everything. But then Rory starts crying and apologizing for messing everything up, saying she doesn't know what she wants to do. She doesn't know what to do. She's so sorry for screwing everything up. Now, in this scene, Richard is, like, desperately trying to avoid having to deal with any actual human emotions. Yeah. <laughs> he's He keeps saying, like, well, your grandmother will be back soon. Your your grandmother's about to be here. The maid can make us some tea. Like, just please. This not is have- a woman thing. Yeah, exactly. It's still what it feels like. Like, emotions? Uh, I'm not good at these. But then Rory hugs him, crying, and he can't help but want to protect her. He puts his arm around her and promises her that everything is going to be okay. It seems very sweet. I felt like it's a genuine moment of emotion from both of them. Like, yeah. I don't feel like Rory really ever has shown this type of vulnerability in front of her grandfather. Right. He has shown this sign kind of vulnerability when he was, like, upset about his mother dying. But other than that, Richard just isn't one to really show affection very much, I feel like. hmm And he definitely shows it here.
0: There was that one moment where they had had a little fight and they, like— Yes. He apologized to her. Yes. That was cute. Right. Because I was like, we're good, right?
1: <laughs> I agree. But even that was, I feel like, a different level than this. because totally. I feel like this was like, forget everything. Like, I need to make things right with you right now. Then we cut to Lane's house where the band boys are sitting around not doing anything related to the band. Then the doors burst open with Mrs. Kim just like standing in the doorway like a superhero. <laughs> She's like, all the boys here? Good. <laughs> Mrs. Kim has set up a tour schedule for the band, a crazy crusade Christian tour, in Zach's words. She has connections with a huge Seventh Day Adventist entertainment circuit from when she was in an all-girls Christian tambourine band. It's weird that the fact that she was in a traveling all-girls tambourine band has never come up, given how much her daughter wants to be in a band.
0: What is a Christian tambourine band? Are there lyrics? Like, what makes it Christian? <laughs> they're they're just Christian? I don't think like, You can't play Christian songs on tambourine. It's percussion. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah,
1: weird. weird. Tambourine
0: band is not a thing either.
1: But also, it's like, this never came up when your daughter's like whole identity is connected to her playing in a band. That's true. But anyway, she's figured all of this out for them. They're going to use Gil's sandwich delivery van for transportation. They're going to stay at different Christian people's homes, and they're also gonna have to change all of their lyrics to be Christian friendly. Zach, like, balks at all this. He's like, We're not gonna do that. And Mrs. Kim is like, uh, Prince doesn't swear. He does mention God, and he's like super rich. So you can do it. Zach is finally reluctantly convinced to go along with all of this.
0: Mrs. Kim says that the van is plenty big enough, cause all 27 girls and their tambourines would have fit in there very nicely.
1: Cross-legged.
0: That's I I don't think so. <laughs>
1: Twenty-seven. I mean, is it possible? Yes. Is it like a, a human rights violation? Yes.
0: I think they would have fit. I don't know about very nicely.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's where we're going with them next season, because that's the last scene with them. They're going on a big tour. I'm going to guess next season we're going to see like them after the tour, but we'll see, I guess. Then we get Friday night dinner. Lorelai shows up wearing a very um, revealing top.
0: Yes, low cut.
1: It's one of those tops that's like super low cut and like the boobs have to be to the side or else they're visible. Like they have to be like specially covered. Looks great. Love this dress. That sounds like I love it because of the boobs.
0: It Um, did. I was like, okay, keep talking about it again.
1: But maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, she comes in only to find Richard and Emily waiting for her somberly. And then here comes the backstab. Richard tells Lorelai that they've thought about this long and hard. And Rory will indeed be dropping out of Yale. And not only that, she'll be staying in their pool house for a while. They'll find a job for her that's suitable. And then after some time, they will revisit the subject of her going back to school. The scene is great. I
0: love the way this is shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. The camera is just like zooming in at Lorelai's face as she's receiving all this terrible news as Richard just backstabs her front. I guess it's just a front stab at that point. Mhm. It's just you just like feel her like absorbing all of this horrible news. Lorelai just goes over to the dining room and it's like, "Did we not have a conversation here about you being on my side and convincing the right thing to do was get my daughter to go back to Yale?" Like her parents betrayed her and in a real way are taking her daughter away from her. Oh yeah. So she is just like beyond pissed. Like she, you can just see she's like broken by this. Richard says that, you know, he's just thinking about the situation rationally. And, and maybe he is. Lorelei doesn't want Rory at home in Stars Hollow. And they don't want her to live with Logan. So this is like the only thing that makes sense. His words bring to mind the conversation he had with Emily earlier in the season when she was having a fight with Lorelei, And he was like, it just makes sense for me to maintain a good connection with her because that's the logical thing we can do to get her to stay connected to us.
0: Yeah, I think that's how he thinks.
1: Yeah, I do. I think he just thinks logically at the expense of like emotionally hurting people. I feel like there was maybe a better way to break this to Lorelai.
0: I was thinking that too, but like, I don't know how. Like they knew she was coming over with they... like And he just found this out this afternoon.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It's not like they knew the afternoon she had talked to them. But yeah, they say like, you don't want her to move in with Logan. You don't want her to live with you. Like this just makes sense.
1: It's what she wants and we have to respect that. So that that's the line that bothers me. Everything else, you see Richard and Emily's point of view, right? But he says, like, this is what she wants, and we have to respect that. But it's like, that's not how you have treated your own daughter. Right. She wanted Luke. You didn't respect that. You went out of your way to sabotage that, to take that away from her, because you thought better about what she really needed. But now, with your beloved granddaughter, it isn't about what's best for her. It's about maintaining a good relationship with her.
0: But on the same token, they do want Rory to go back to Yale, And they say that this way they can like keep an eye on her and get her back on track. Yeah. They're still trying to control the end goal. You know what I mean? Like they have this idea of what Rory should do. They had this idea of what Lorelai should do. And yeah, yeah, they're not respecting what Lorelai wanted, but they were like, okay, I guess she wants to be with Luke. Let's try to make Luke different. Yeah. And then Emily like tried to take it into her own hands to manipulate the situation so I I do think you're right, but they are still kind of trying to control Rory.
1: Right. I mean, Rory did say that she would go back to school. She's just taking some time off, mm-hmm. so that was already part of her plan. It's just that line we have to respect that. Yeah. Like, but that's not how you've been. That's not true. Yeah. I really wish I could shit all over them, but like they do have some points that are good.
0: That's that's why the show's so good because everyone's yeah. right and everyone's wrong at the same time. Like, I I see everyone's point of view, and it's just, like, delightful conflict.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: You kind of hinted at this. I think Emily and Richard are partially giddy Yeah, that they get to have what they didn't have with Lorelai.
1: Yes, totally.
0: And maybe Rory's got a misstep, but she's marrying the rich guy. She's going to the Ivy League school. She's, like, this little perfect doll. Yep. So they're now kind of excited that they get to have the daughter. Yep. And Lorelai doesn't they probably get off on that a little bit. But they do seem to be in a good place with Lorelai, too. I mean, maybe not now, but.
1: Yeah, not now. Richard says, like, you know, this is the logical thing. When you're less emotional, you'll be able to see that. Again, I feel like there's probably a better way to say all this, Richard. But you're not great at these kind of things. And I understand that Lorelai probably doesn't want to hear anything from her mother. So
0: Richard does most of the talking. Emily kind of just, like, nods.
1: Probably that's the smart way to take it, honestly, though, because Uh Lorelai does not love her mother very much. So Lorelai leaves, and on her way out, she sees her daughter through the window of the pool house moving in, and then she stares at her daughter while some sad-ass non-la-la music plays.
0: It's got lyrics.
1: Yeah, you know it's serious. So sad. The two make eye contact for a moment, and it's super sad, and then Rory looks away. Scene is heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. It's also upsetting because like Rory hasn't tried talking to her mother since that fight. Like she's made these life decisions about moving in with her grandparents without like discussing this with her mother. Like people say stuff in the moment that they don't mean. Lorelai's like, well, you can't come home and like work a job. That's not an option. I get that Rory's like, that's not an option. But you think Rory might be like, mom, I'm moving out. If you don't let me move in with you, I'm moving in with grandpa and grandpa.
0: Grandpa and Grandpa?
1: Uh, You should know that Richard has moved in with his valet. <laughs> <laughs> no, Uh, Grandma and Grandpa. I, like, I feel like she should have said, like, you know, Mom, like, have you thought about this at all? Like, I, I really need to take this time off. Because they just had this fight, and I feel like Rory could have sent a letter to her mother, like, really explaining how she felt. Or tried touching base with her mother again, being like, hey, like, can I try to talk to you more about how I feel? Because she just dropped this Yale bomb on her, like, while they were out to eat.
0: She loves writing letters.
1: Yes. Do you know what I mean, though? She was just like, I'm dropping out of Yale. And her mom gets upset, which you could understand. And then she's like, well, I guess I'll figure out my own shit. Fuck you, mom. Like, try talking to your mom again. You love and respect your mother. Talk to her again.
0: Yeah, and she didn't talk to her after their Dean fight, but eventually she did.
1: Yeah, and what did Rory say at the end of that? Oops, I messed up. Well, maybe she'll say, oops, I
0: messed up again.
1: Yeah, well... This is the downfall of Rory. Let me tell you right now.
0: It's just called Gilmore Girl in season six. One of them's out. No,
1: it's changed. It's actually Gilmore Girl. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Living in a pool house with your grandparents.
0: It's a long name.
1: So Lorelai heads over to Luke's, just totally depressed. We get a funny scene before that of Taylor yelling about the bicyclists finishing the race too late. He says that he had to send... The children's marching band home. And he's all like, they were just so super whiny. And then he says, if this had been Dickens Day, those kids would have been sold to a cobbler by now. That was so fucking funny.
0: <laughs> well, also, you didn't say that the reveal that they are six years old. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I had to send them home. They're the whiniest six-year-olds I've met in my life.
1: Yeah, I said children's, but...
0: What is this marching band? It's not... Yeah. You don't know how to play an instrument until you're like 11.
1: Well, tambourine band's pretty easy to get into.
0: That's true. I also love that he just like is in disbelief that it's ten o'clock. <laughs> he's like, it is not ten o'clock.
1: He's super mad about it. There's still bicyclists finishing, and he's all like, "You're late, you're late, you're late." He's like, "Well, are you surprised? A lot of them were still like at Luke's getting lunch when the race was like well underway." So <laughs>
0: that's true. Maybe that's what happened. They were doing their lunges. Yeah, you do
1: a lot. Those when you do like thousands of lunges a day, it's it's time consuming. Lorelai enters Luke's. And the scene is visually mirroring the earlier scene in the episode. You pointed this out to me, where she comes into Luke's to tell her about Rory stealing the yacht.
0: Mirroring, it's straight up the same shot. Yeah. Luke's wiping down the counter. She comes in the door, sits at the same table, says a similar thing. Taylor had also just been yelling.
1: Same camera angle, blah, blah, blah. It's great. She tells him that Rory's dropping out of Yale and living with her parents. She's defeated. Luke just jumps in to start supporting Lorelai and starts brainstorming ways the two of them can help make all of this right. And he says, I am not going to let this happen. Lorelai stares at him for a moment, seeing this man so in love with her, so on her side. And she says, Luke, will you marry me? Then Luke is like, what? Cut to black? What are you talking about? Amy Sherman Palladino. Are you kidding me? We're cutting to black? No, you have Luke say Yes. Then we cut to black. You have Luke say yes, and then you cut to black. When a Gilmore girl asks you, do you want to get married? You say yes. Wow. I mean, I think the obvious answer is going to be yes. It's not much of a cliffhanger for me, honestly. If Luke says no, I'm going to be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like the first line of the next season is going to be him either saying what again or being like, yeah, of course. Yes. Uh He just maybe
0: didn't hear her. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he's like I'm I'm sorry. What the Taylor's really blown out my eardrum. <laughs> a bike hit me in the side yesterday uh when I was running outside. <laughs> All right, Stacy. Yeah. Do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls?
0: I do. It was really good. Yeah. I don't think it's the best finale ever. Right. I think season 4 was stronger. And season 2 and 3 were pretty good too. But yeah, the scene with Lorelai and Rory breaking up is great. The scene where Lorelai goes to her parents both times is great. The scene where Rory goes to Richard is great. Yeah. The proposal was nice. And that's also kind of shot in a similar way where it's just like zooming in on Lorelai in like a happy way. Yeah. Sort of mirroring the zoom in when her parents betrayed her. Yeah. I mean, there's a big turning point here, it seems. Lorelai and Rory on bad terms. That's happened before, I guess, the end of season four. But That wasn't an at the end of the season. That was like into season five, Rory was going to Europe, upset at her mom. Or I feel like this is setting up like a bigger conflict than that was maybe.
1: I mean, this is setting up a bigger conflict in that her parents are involved.
0: Yes. They've like drawn a line in the sand.
1: And the previous season was all like, I'm upset with you, mom, but like, probably I'm going to end up back home at some point.
0: So why do you think Lorelai proposed?
1: I mean, you could read it different ways, right? You could read it where she's just, like, desperate, everything's falling apart, and she wants some sort of stability, and she's sort of, like, not tricked, because he's not tricking her, but, like, sort of makes a bad judgment call, because she's like, I just want something that's, this guy is so supportive and everybody else isn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, she just, like, thought she had the support of her parents and lost
1: it. But I don't think that's what it is. I think that she sees Luke legitimately loves her and will never abandon her, unlike her parents and even her daughter. And, like, this guy is, just like, doing every, And it's not only her that's important to him, also Rory. Right. So it's like, this guy loves and supports all the things you love and support, and, like, why not go all in? Maybe I'm wrong. Did you think it was good? Yeah, I thought it was good. I feel like the last season finale was definitely more like, what's going to happen? I got to know. And this one's all like, yeah, Luke's going to say yes, and if he doesn't, I'm going to be mad, and the, the writing's going to be bad. <laughs> like, sure. But yeah, I'm interested to see. I'm I'm definitely excited for the next episode. I want to see what's going to happen with Rory. That's more interesting to me.
0: Oh, the troubadour was back.
1: Oh, we forgot to mention. He was back very quickly.
0: Singing about how Mama tried, but Baby still ended up in prison. Yes. We haven't seen him in a long time. We haven't. Maybe this season we've seen him, but not recently.
1: Yeah, well, he's been working a lot of hours at Century 21. So
0: yeah, I mean, someone must work there with Brian. Well, we'll continue this story in season six, Brian. But first, we gotta move on to something else.
1: And now, for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Uncharmed.
0: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen.
1: But we're discussing it anyway.
0: Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed?
1: Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 5, Episode 22, Oh My Goddess, Part 1. The sisters are visited... Wait, Part 1? Yeah. Okay. The sisters are visited by a white lighter from the future, Chris Perry, who informs them that a new threat, the Titans, has been awakened. The Titans, who are looking for white lighters, come after Paige and Leo discovers their plan.
0: Do you think Chris Perry is the actor or the character?
1: (laughs) It doesn't say.
0: Since it's not in parentheses, I think it's the character. Often when it's the actor, it'll be like in parentheses or it'll say like, guest star, Tom Hanks. Right. Okay, so the sisters are visited by a white lighter from the future. And and in the future, white lighters are, like, cooler. Yeah. The white lighters in this present reality we've set up are, like, they bring joy, but they're kind of, meh. It's like, oh, cool, the white lighter's here. Yay. Right. But, like, Chris Perry is, we like him. All around, good time.
1: Super cool.
0: White lighters have made some improvements. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Titans are oh, awakened. <laughs> and thereafter, his people
1: what's interesting is the Titans show up going after Paige but they're like thrown because she is not as cool as Chris Perry so they're like wait are you a lighter because you seem like yeah we sort don't of basic and boring
0: you are not what we used to are used to looking for
1: and that's when Leo discovers their plans because they just have their plans like a little notebook
0: which is get page
1: white lighter question mark and <laughs> The Titans are pretty dumb. They write everything down, and it's very succinct and easy to read. Even a dog could read it. Dog just, like, grabs it. They, like, jumps up, grabs it, takes it into a different room, and he reads it.
0: When he sits down, though, he sits like a man. He's still a dog. <laughs> he sits in a chair, like.
1: Yeah, and open, and he smokes a pipe. You guys know it that. Put on his glasses. Yeah. Reads it, and he's like, oh, my God, they're going after Paige. He figures that out right away, because, again, not a lot of notes in this notebook.
0: I will say the Titans' makeup was great, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. So good. They had that whole
0: um, forehead thing, you know?
1: Yeah, and the elbow thing.
0: And the elbow thing. And um, their costumes were cool.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: They had on, like, figure skating outfits. It was
1: Very sexy.
0: Yeah. No skates, just the outfits.
1: Yeah. But the episode ends with them confronting Paige. They're about to get Paige. Leo warns her. She gets into a room and shuts the door so they don't get her right away. But they're right outside the door, ready to grab her.
0: Yeah, they think they can turn her into a cool one if they take her with. She's from a powerful family. So they're like, we'll make it work. We'll take her to the future. We'll make her cool. Let's just do it.
1: Meanwhile, Chris Perry, by the way, is super excited that birds are still a thing. Yes. Because in the future there's no birds because of pollution and stuff. So he's just like constantly like, oh man, birds are awesome. He's just like bird watching. He's like, I should go warn people, but like birds are just super cool.
0: Very of birds.
1: I guess we'll find out what happens next season. This has been.
0: Well, actually, there were 23 episodes of Charmed this season. And we're gonna discuss it right now on this bonus special segment we like to call Meanwhile, Meanwhile Uncharmed.
1: On Charmed. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Brian, what happened on Charm?
1: Meanwhile, on Charm, Season 5, Episode 23, what? Oh, My Goddess, Part 2, Chris tries to convince the sisters to come up with a plan to vanquish the Titans, but they feel discouraged without Leo, who Piper realizes is becoming an elder. Oh, wow. Did we address the goddess thing, for one? I just thought Chris just thought the girls were sexy, so he was like, oh, goddesses. Is that not right? Did you interpret the episode differently?
0: Um... Yes, but I think yours is probably right,
1: so I won't go into mine. I think that the Titans are goddesses. You think they're women? hmm
0: Okay, yeah, that's probably right. The, yeah. They were in the other episode,
1: too. Right.
0: Okay, so Chris, you know, the girls have no agency. They don't seem interested in trying to get Paige back. Yeah. But he he's like, I have to try to convince them. I've been spending too much time with birds. I gotta get to work now.
1: But they were really worried because they see the way that Leo is sitting and smoking a <laughs> pipe with his glasses on. They're like, he's becoming an elder, guys. Like
0: He's an old-ass dog right now. Dogs don't yeah. live that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they completely forget about Paige because they've known Leo longer. And I mean, he seems a lot closer to death than Paige. Paige is gonna go live a great life in the future yeah. where she's a cool-ass white liner with the Titan ladies. I
1: and mean, they're all like, do you wanna go for a walk, Leo? And Leo's like, well, whatever. Nah. And they're like, what the f- we got to help him
0: out. I'm reading.
1: But eventually, Chris is like, listen, guys, if you want to save the birds, you got to kill this goddess. And they're like, we don't care about the birds. They're like, if you want to save Leo, in the future, we got dog hormones that'll keep them young. It's like, all a okay. lie, though. But they're like, okay. So they run out there. They stop the goddesses. They rescue Paige from the door she's hiding behind. They thank Christopher by giving him two birds. And they're like, if you do it right, they'll have bird babies in the future and the future will be saved. And he's like, thanks, everybody. Also, I was lying about the dog shit. Bye-bye. And he leaves. They're like, what do we do about Leo? And then they see him doing a crossword puzzle.
0: He's watching Wheel of Fortune. It's really bad.
1: It's getting real bad.
0: So yeah, everything is mostly good. No one's taken to another dimension. Maybe Chris will come back and be an ally in the future?
1: We'll find out. Ugh, what's going to happen to Leo? He's probably going to die of old age.
0: Yeah, that's so sad. Yeah. Well... This has been. Meanwhile, uncharmed. Charmed.
1: We just want to take a second now to let you guys know about Summerwater, a very special product from our friends at Wink.com.
0: Summerwater is an award-winning, highly praised dry rosé and one of Wink's top-selling products. It's so well liked that Wink gave it its own wine club, the Summerwater Society.
1: Society members receive 10% off their orders, free shipping, and random surprises included in the delivery.
0: You can order packs of 4, 8, or 12 bottles, including the regular Summer Water Rosé, or try their Chilled Red. It's also available in Summer Water Rosé Droplets, which are fun-sized single-serving bottles.
1: Stay stocked in Rosé for your summer events and all year round.
0: If you're interested, you can sign up using the Summer Water link in our episode description.
1: Alright, Stacy. we also watched Buffy, one of my favorite episodes of Buffy. Spoilers. Oh, yeah? Stacy. can you tell us all about the series finale, the season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Gift?
0: Yeah, so this is about the resolution with Glory and Ben and Dawn being the key and Buffy's gift being death and all that. And Buffy dies? Whoa. Okay, okay. So the previously on is just kind of a quick recap of the premise of the show, starting with like a whole chunk of dialogue from like the pilot, but then it gets progressively faster. And I've been told this is actually one clip from every episode. It gets faster and faster, though, so you can't even really process it. But it's cool. This was supposed to be the series finale at some point, right? Yeah. I doubt when it aired, they thought they were done.
1: Oh, I know it wasn't the case when it aired. It was announced that it was picked up by UPN on April 22nd, 2001. And I'm assuming the writers knew it before then, but it was announced right. that it was picked up on that. And that was like before episode 18 of the season intervention.
0: But I bet they had this idea to do this recap this way, thinking yeah. it was going to be the finale and then they just went with it.
1: Well, it, it's also the 100th episode. Mm, right, right. And it's the finale. And I actually thought this was so cool, even in the moment. It was like almost emotional. Mm hmm. It's like previously on Buffy. And then it's like, yeah, here's everything that's come before this moment. Everything that has led to this final episode.
0: Because it matters.
1: And also, it should be said that originally this was supposed to be the series finale. At some point, the writers found out it wasn't going to be the series finale. So they took some of the ideas from this episode and they took them out. Mm. And they used those in the actual series finale. So this was going to be quite a bit different. Interesting. But also, the WB, for a while, touted this as the series finale.
0: Like, throughout season five?
1: No, like, when it was coming up. Because I guess in their mind, they're like, it is as far as we're concerned.
0: Oh, right, because <laughs> like, it switches to UPN.
1: Yeah, well, this is the series finale. For us, anyway. That's weird. It is weird.
0: Well, this intro leads straight into a boy who we don't know in a striped shirt running through an alley. Vampire's about to get him, but Buffy pops her head out of the back of the magic shop, playing it all cool. She's like, are you guys having a fight? Because fighting's not cool. Is this vampire like new? Doesn't every vampire know about Buffy at this point?
1: I feel like most vampires are new in Sunnydale. Otherwise, Buffy would have killed them.
0: He says he's never even heard of the Slayer, like the concept.
1: I mean, he might be brand new as far as he was made a week ago or something.
0: Yeah, he's confident though. He's very big. But she fights him real quick. Even she afterwards is like, wow, it's been a while since I met one who didn't know me. And the kid is like, how'd you do that? She says, it's what I do. He's like, but you're just a girl. And she's like, yeah, that's what I keep saying. She goes back into the magic shop. Xander's like, something going on out back? And she just like very casually says, vampire. He's like, oh. (laughs) It's very funny because we've talked about the fact that the vampires are just putties at this point. Yeah. Like from Power Rangers. And this just really illustrates that. Yeah. I want to
1: reiterate how great this opening is. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what it's all about. This is encapsulating what Buffy is. She's this girl. Everyone underestimates her. Everyone says you're just a girl. And she's like, yeah, I am just a girl. And like, I'm also the superhero. Like, being just a girl doesn't mean anything.
0: But also, she does kind of want to just be a girl. Yeah. I mean, in the very beginning, she's like, I don't want to be a slayer. I just want to be a high school kid. But now, this season, she's kind of been like, I just want to be done doing all that.
1: Yeah. And also, it's just like you said, it's funny a little bit because Xander's like, what was it? A vampire. And I mean, I, as much as like I think some of the cast can kill vampires a little too easily. I mean, Buffy, though, has been getting better, better being a slayer. Vampires are just not really a threat to her at all.
0: <laughs> and I think <laughs> like, it was a particularly big one, too. Yeah. Like it, he was sort of hard for her to climb, <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Things are tense in the magic shop, especially between Buffy and Giles. As we learned last week, Glory is planning to perform some kind of ritual, killing Dawn, the key, to open a portal to take her back to her demon dimension. Buffy demands that Giles explain the ritual again, really for the audience benefit, I'm sure, but it's as if they've discussed this off camera, but they're doing it again. He's like, okay, did they not watch last week's episode? (laughs) It is different information, though. He says the key was living energy that needed to be channeled into something at a specific time, Dawn. And it's actually a little confusing what he says, but it it seems like glory killing Dawn will cause that energy to flow again for a period of time, briefly breaking down the walls to her reality. And during that time, she can travel back to her dimension. But also during that time, all the reality walls will be down, unleashing God knows what else on Earth. Basically, as long as Dawn's blood flows, the gates will be open. And when she's out of blood, they'll close. But then she's dead. I have places to be, shouts Tara. That's important. Xander asks why it needs to be blood. Spike's like, because blood is life. It's what keeps you guys alive. That's why we love it so much. That sounds nice, but one of our listeners who's watching along messaged me with a really good point. What if the key was just a random object, like Glory Thought?
1: Yeah, it didn't have to be a girl. And honestly, before it was made into Dawn, it was just energy with no blood.
0: My guess would be if the key was like a hockey stick, you'd just have to snap it in half. But because it's human, it's blood? That's kind of silly, but that'd be my guess. It's like, well, this is what it is, so this is how we kill it. But like, yeah, what if it was just a rock?
1: In its normal form, even. It's just pure energy. How do you make that bleed?
0: I don't, I don't know. So the blood thing seemed a little
1: dumb. Yeah, it seems a little romantic and poetic, but doesn't actually make sense.
0: Yeah. If Giles' calculations are right, they probably have a few hours to try to stop Glory before she even starts this blood ritual, which is what Buffy's hoping to do, because for her, killing Dawn is not an option. But Giles is like, actually, I kind of think killing Dawn's the way to go here. Buffy's like, I don't want to hear it. He's like, yeah, I understand that. She's like, no, you don't understand. We are not talking about this. And then Ripper gets up and screams at her. Yes, we bloody well are. Ooh, get her Giles. Like I said, things are
1: tense. I mean, it's it's so interesting, right? Because like, as much as you side with Buffy emotionally here, Giles is right. Like, so many people's sisters are gonna die. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like
0: he's just looking out for the greater good. Because if Glory does start it, they're fucked. Like everyone in the universe. We'll be in hell.
1: Everyone in every universe.
0: Yeah. And it's not like they've been able to stop her at all before. So like, yeah. why is today going to be different? Buffy's like, come on, say it. Tell me to kill my sister. And Giles says, she's not your sister. I mean, he's right. He is right. Yeah. Buffy's like, no, she's more than that. She's me. The monks made her out of me. It's not just the memories. It's physical. Dawn's part of me. This is new information. I guess it makes sense like they knew she was the slayer so they maybe like grabbed some info from her I I guess we're to believe that Buffy is able to sense that somehow
1: I don't know they've set up when Dawn was like I'm nothing and she cut herself and Buffy was like no this is summer's blood like they set that but like that's really just again poetic romantic stuff yeah. that Buffy is saying
0: to try to make her sad sad sister feel better yeah but I mean that's the truth I guess
1: Buffy's assumptions, which are frequent in the show, are just about always right, so you might as well just be like, okay, well, if that's what Buffy feels, it's probably true.
0: Yeah. But Buffy's not hearing Giles' reason. She wants to do it her way. He's like, cool, well, you're going to fail. You'll die. We're all going to die. Buffy's like, yeah, I don't really care. I love you all, but we're going to do it my way. Then Spike pipes up. "Uh, When you say you love us all, (laughs) Xander and Giles are like, shut up. That's funny, because I think I even aloud said, even Spike, Buffy? (laughs) Do a quick head count. Who's in the room? You love Tara?
1: I've got somewhere to be, Buffy. Unless there's a reason I should stay.
0: She's gotten closer with Tara, but earlier in the season, everybody was kind of like, what? Why is Tara at everything now? (laughs) Even now, they're like, Willow, Tara's kind of a bummer. Do you have to bring her?
1: (laughs) Tara's really bumming us out, Willow. Um... Can we just kill Tara instead of my uh, my sister?
0: No, we can't kill Tara. We just make fun of her for being a bummer. She's a real white lighter.
1: That's only funny if you listen to the Charmed segment.
0: <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to every Charmed segment if you skip them. Xander pitches killing Ben, which is like the obvious answer to all of this. But there's also obviously some trepidation with that, because when Glory is Ben, he's just a regular innocent guy. And who do we think we are? Faith. <laughs> Giles says it's doubtful that Ben will even surface again this close to the ritual. I don't know what he's basing that on,
1: because... His calculations. They they, they were Ben
0: half of the last episode. Yeah. So they're all pitching ideas. Willow and Spike are like, well, she can only do the ritual at a certain time, so maybe we can just kind of distract her until it's too late. Anya's really being team leader about this whole pitch meeting, which is annoying everyone, and Giles is like, shut the fuck up unless you have anything meaningful to contribute. And then Anya remembers the Dagon Sphere, that little magical orb that the parking lot attended, handed to Buffy in the episode where we met Glory that hasn't been mentioned since. Anya also remembers they've been hanging on to her ex-troll boyfriend's hammer. Spike's like, no, that's too heavy to lift. Buffy's like, no, it's not.
1: That's <laughs> pretty funny. He's like, yeah, you couldn't. He just, she just lifts it. He's like, yeah, never mind. A
0: <laughs> couple things. Buffy lifts it like it's made of styrofoam, which I'm sure it is. But Spike couldn't lift it like at all a few episodes back. Is Buffy that much
1: stronger than Spike? That is a good question because she is stronger than Spike for sure. But you think it would have some heft for her? Yes, there is some, or he'd be able
0: to pick it up, but like not well.
1: There's some. Okay, so this this hammer, right? Clearly, is influenced by Thor's hammer from like Avengers.
0: You think there's some kind of like being worthy?
1: Yeah, like it's never explicitly said, but. Two things about it, like, the, the the power of this hammer is, like, very vague and never explained. When the troll has it, Willow disenchants it, but it still seems to function fine. I don't really understand what the mm-hmm. disenchantment was. Maybe you could argue that that is why he was able to hold it so easily, and he was still able to swing it because he's real fucking strong, but that enchantment somehow, like, let him hold it as if he were worthy. This is me guessing. This is theory.
0: But Olaf's as worthy as they come. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But Buffy is definitely a hero. This episode tells us that. Right. So maybe she is able to lift it easier, not just because of her strength, but because of some sort of like worthiness. And we know it's based off of Thor's hammer, because Anya even says, like, using the weapon of a god, and it was like, okay, well, that troll was not a god. Did they say
0: that Olaf was a god?
1: No, he's a troll. So it's weird that she would say that. Thor is a god. Joss loves the Avengers, went on to write the two Avenger movies. Pretty sure that's the idea.
0: She says in this episode that Olaf was a troll god. I was like, I don't think you said that in Triangle. But it's possible they did. I just don't remember. That seems like they added that in, right?
1: Yeah, I don't remember him being a god. But Anya's like,
0: and we have Olaf, the troll god's hammer, or something like that. Like, I know Buffy's stronger than Angel, but Angel is, like, stupid strong. So I, I feel like the difference between Spike lifting this and Buffy lifting this is the calculations are off. <laughs> Xander is very in awe of Anya's recollections and says that the smart chicks are so hot. Willow's like, you couldn't have figured that out in 10th grade? And they have a little moment. You had your chance, Willow.
1: So did you, Xander.
0: Giles is like, cool, we got two small ideas. We still have no idea where Glory is. But Tara is muttering about what a big day it is and how she needs to be there. So it seems like their plan is to use Tara as like a divining rod to find Glory. Cut to Ben. Boy, were you wrong, Giles. (laughs) Ben brings Dawn a fancy dress for Dawn to wear for the ceremony. Why is this his job? Also, does it matter what she's wearing?
1: I mean, to be fair, Glory loves to wear fancy stuff.
0: Okay. But Dawn agrees. She's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Why would I do anything that you say? But she's also pissed at Ben because he was supposed to be helping her escape, but Glory convinced him to let her kill Dawn in exchange for eternal life. Ben's like, look, I don't feel great about this. But I think it'll be quick. <laughs> and then this minion leans in. He's like, actually it's like real bad. Very slow. Super painful. She'll hate it a lot. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> it sounds like I'm making it funnier, but it was meant to be like a joke. Pretty funny. Yeah. Dawn demands that Ben change into glory, which Dawn can apparently will into being by just shouting glory over and over again. She prefers Glory in this moment because at least Glory's honest about being a bad person. Ben's just trying to make things seem nice when he's totally betraying
1: her. Right.
0: Like Richard. Mmm. Glory points out that Ben is maybe the only reason Buffy and Co are even still alive because that like nagging bit of humanity somehow made her soft when she really should have just killed Buffy from the beginning. Dawn's like, oh, yeah? Or maybe you just can't take Buffy. Glory's like, yeah? She's not here saving you, is she? She's probably worked out the rules of my ritual and might not want to save you since you're not really her sister and if you bleed even a little bit, things are like real bad, so she might kill you. But Dawn's holding out hope that Buffy's gonna come to save her. Meanwhile, Buffy's taking out her frustrations out a punching bag. Giles comes in and is like, I'm the bag,
1: aren't I, in this scenario?
0: <laughs> Giles is like, yo.
1: <laughs> Wait, did you say Giles is like, yo, bro, listen yeah. up, dog. <laughs>
0: child's like yo i love dawn but um i'm sworn to protect this world and sometimes that means saying and doing what other people can't buffy's like yeah you try to hurt dawn and you know i'll stop you he's like i I know then they reminisce about all the other apocalypses they stopped but buffy's over it she's done with apocalypses she had to kill angel to stop one she's kind of not sure she can keep doing this in perpetuity she tells Giles that the spirit guide told her that death is her gift, which I guess is the first time she's telling him this. And she takes this to mean that slayers are just killers, kind of like Faith said. Giles is like, yeah, I don't think that's right. She's like, it doesn't matter. If Don dies, I'm done. I quit. But what Giles said is important, I think, that he, um, his job means sometimes saying and doing what other people can't.
1: Yeah, they set, rewatching this episode, they set up a bunch of stuff with Giles.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize it till I rewatched it either. Dawn has changed into her little Cinderella pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) It is never justified why she needed to wear this, but she is. It's time for the ritual. Two minions lead her outside to where all Glory's madness victims have very quickly constructed a gigantic tower. There's just no way it's safe.
1: Yeah, what is the structural integrity of this thing made by mad people? Yeah.
0: A bunch of recently released, escaped mental ward patients welded together a 30-story building real quick.
1: <laughs> In yeah, like I'm sure 12 it is hours? Sound.
0: It doesn't really matter, but like a couple people got to be able to climb the thing. Yeah. Giles pops his head into the basement to see if Xander and Anya have found the sphere, but they fucking. I was like, now? But you pointed out they think they're going to die, so it makes sense. They're supposed to be down there looking for the Dagon Sphere, and Xander pulls some fabric off a shelf, revealing the Buffy Bot, which spooks him. They say that Willow kept it to study, not for sex. And then Anya suddenly is freaking out. She's like, What is this? A sick joke? It's a stuffed bunny. Not sure why that's down there. It's like a child's toy. Remember Anya scared of bunnies, though? She thinks this is an omen. She's very stressed out. She usually leaves town when there's an apocalypse, she says, but she loves Xander so much, she's got more to worry about now. She doesn't want to run away. Which is true. She tried to run away at graduation. But then Xander proposes. I was so surprised. I didn't expect them to like break up anytime soon, but I didn't really see that coming. No, you didn't? No. Why would I see that coming? I don't know. I mean, maybe eventually in the show, but I did not see it coming in this episode at all. Oh, cool. Anya responds by slapping him. (laughs) She thinks he's only doing this because they're going to die and won't actually have to go through with it. He's like, no, I believe I'm going to make it through this and live a long, silly life, and I don't want to do that without you around. So she says yes. But then no, she wants the ring after the world doesn't end. So, TBD. Willow's come up with some half ideas. She's not feeling very confident, but Buffy tells her that she's the strongest person here. Willow's like, I am? Buffy's like, yeah, you're the only person that's ever hurt Glory. Willow's like, well, I do have this one idea. She's been looking into ways to help Tara... Apparently, she's been charting their essences. I don't know what the fuck that means, but she thinks she might have a way to take back from glory what she took from Terra, and that might weaken glory a bit. You know, charting their essences.
1: I've done that before. I charted a friend's essence one time. How'd that go? They died. Oh. Yeah, you gotta be careful with that kind of stuff. You can't just go around charting essences willy-nilly.
0: Well, Willow's doing it.
1: Yeah, Willow-nilly is fine. <laughs>
0: so stupid. Willow tries to tell Tara if she's going to make her better. Tara slaps her. A lot of lovers slaps. Yeah. But Tara immediately feels bad. She's still, she's still in there. She knows Willow's on her team. She just can't communicate. Xander and Anya seem to have a yet-to-be-revealed strategy for Buffy to use that Buffy seems excited about. And then this next bit is just set up for a payoff contained in this episode, but Xander mentions he wants a broadsword. And Spike's like, don't be swinging that thing near me. You're just a glorified bricklayer. Xander's like, I'm also a good bowler. That all seems like just nonsense comedy at this time, but it'll be important later. Yeah. <laughs> Setting up Xander's big moment. So Buffy and Spike go to her house to get weapons and something for the mystery plan. But Buffy forgets that Spike isn't invited in anymore. So he just kind of hangs at the doorway. He's like, it's cool. It's just passing the stuff. But she invites him in. He's so happy.
1: Yeah, he is.
0: He gets to work on gathering weapons. Buffy's like, I know we're not all going to make it. I think you know that too. He's like, yeah. She tells him that she's counting on him to protect Dawn. And he says, till the end of the world, even if that's tonight. Buffy heads upstairs to grab something and Spike says, I know you'll never love me. I know I'm a monster, but you treat me like a man. Mm-hmm. This was really sweet.
1: It was sweet. It's a good moment. I like this
0: scene because she does. I mean, she she like fucking hates him half the time, but... I don't know, it doesn't always make sense, but she does clearly like have sympathy for him,
1: yeah, I mean, she's the only reason he's alive,
0: yeah, all of her friends would love to kill him.
1: She's told them like we're gonna keep Spike alive as long as he doesn't kill people,
0: and maybe it's because of angel, like she yeah. is able to like see that there's more to vampires than the obvious
1: I mean, I think in general, Spike is sort of the exception to the rule, and so is Angel only because he has a soul, right. I mean, Spike is capable of love, and Drusilla says that the vampires are, so I would imagine other ones are.
0: Well, Dawn's getting settled in at the top of the tower. The gang's all packed up, ready to go. They set Tara loose. Well, first, Giles is playing with a sword, and Tara points at him and tells him he's a killer. That seems also important.
1: It didn't at the time, though. She's just sort of saying Yeah, she always says
0: random stuff, and Giles, too, is just like, okay, whatever. I maybe actually thought she was pointing at Spike at first, but she's clearly pointing at Giles. Yeah. Buffy's like, remember, we all die if the ritual starts, and if anyone touches dawn, I'll kill you. And then Spike and Giles, like, bond over some British stuff real quick. I looked it up, what they say. Like, Spike's like, this is no St. Crispin's Day speech, which is part of Shakespeare's play Henry V. There's like a, you know, a motivational speech before a big battle. And then Giles quotes some of the speech. He says, we few, we happy few, kind of sarcastically. And then the next line in the play is, we band of brothers, but Spike says, we band of buggered, which means tired. Are you proud of me for doing research? I'm
1: very proud of you for doing research, Xander.
0: (laughs) But in the moment, that scene just felt like, okay, they're speaking British right now, I guess. Yeah, they're just doing
1: British stuff. They might have been talking about mushy peas. It just
0: like all of it felt like, I mean, maybe I just don't know Shakespeare well enough. I mean, that is a British thing, but it doesn't need to be only a thing British people
1: understand. Sure, yeah.
0: So they all follow Tara, off into the night. She leads them to the tower. Really, this sudden giant tower shouldn't be hard to find. Like, <laughs> I think the whole town would be talking about it. It'd be in the news.
1: It'd be right next to uh, Dracula's mansion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like if, a, if a sudden skyscraper appears in the skyline, everyone's going to be there checking it out.
1: Yeah, but what if it was like super rickety or unstable or very Tim Burton-esque? You wouldn't notice that.
0: Wouldn't you? (laughs) The builders are still building. Are they not done? Dawn is up there.
1: (laughs) What are they working on? You'd think Dawn would be like, can we finish first before? (laughs) There's still a whole construction project happening. I mean, they're probably just doing nonsense down there. Glory's like, they've been just building rooms we don't need.
0: Yeah. But
1: Glory catches Tara.
0: She's like, what are you doing here? And Willow shows up. She says, she's with me. She does a little lightning spell between both of their heads. They both go flying. Glory's like, not cool. She says she made a hole. So Glory's like hungry now. She needs another brain to eat. She somehow took whatever part of Tara had been in her brain out. So Glory's having her like need to to brain feed.
1: I want to talk about this brain thing for a second. Because you and I talked about this. And you're like, does it make sense? Because she's already used up Tara's brain juice, right? Yeah. Her like sanity. And that's one way to look at Glory's thing, right? That she's—it's like a tank that needs to be filled, right? Right. But another way to look at it is forget three-dimensional stuff. Like imagine that, like Glory's essence is like almost infinite, right? And, it, and imagine it like a balloon that's blowing up, right? And you get like a little tear, so you cover it with a patch. That patch stays there; it continues to cover that hole, but the balloon keeps getting bigger, so it gets a hole somewhere else. You got to throw another patch on there. The balloon, though, doesn't stop getting bigger, and it gets another hole. So you got to throw another patch on there. If you take off any of those previous patches, you got a problem. Like, because those patches are what's holding that hole together. Okay. So that's how I have to think of, like, Glory's, like, insanity. Is it sort of like this ever-expanding thing that you've got to plug the hole but then a different hole is going to appear later because it's it's not stopping. Her like essence is too big for this three dimensional body.
0: That makes more sense than like a full tummy.
1: Right. And so that's why I think when she takes Tara's bandage off, like her ha- sanity way, there's like a ga- gaping hole there again.
0: Well, maybe if I'd seen the essence charts, that would have made more sense.
1: Yeah, you got to chart these essences or else you just are very confused.
0: Well, Glory thinks the solution is eating another brain. And well, 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 Buffy's standing right there. Maybe she'll just eat Buffy's. Buffy's like, okay then, come and get it. But Glory's not doing great. She seems very woozy. I feel like the writers are out of things for the minions to call Glory. As <laughs> one of them <laughs> says, almost sweaty, naughty feelings causing one. <laughs> Ew.
1: No, that no. was just Joss Whedon like just saying what she, he felt for a second and they wrote it down. Yeah.
0: Gloria's like, I'm fine. That stupid witch weakened me, but I'll be good in a second. Buffy's like, no, it's not the witch. It might be this Dagen sphere, and then she throws it at her. Gloria instinctively just, like, catches it. That was maybe dumb. I guess either way, it was going to touch her, probably. That seems to weaken her a bit more. They don't really go into whether it did or not. But Buffy starts fighting her pretty well. She's not, like, falling down, but she's not fighting back at all. It's like she's drunk or something, you know? Like, she just, she's tired.
1: Well, she's... She's hurt in two different ways, right? Like, she's not sane right now. Like, mm-hmm. she's not thinking clearly. She can't focus because they took the Terra Band-Aid off. But also, this Dagon Sphere is somehow weakening her.
0: It repels her, they say, but...
1: I, I In my head, it's sort of like a cross on a vampire. That's how I sort of see it. Like, they, she can live with it, but, like, she really does... it. It hurts her.
0: It also like broke when she threw it at her, so I don't know how, like, how long the effects of it lasted. That's the other
1: thing, though, too. It was like, was that smart? Is it done now Was she broke I would it? have just
0: held it so she couldn't yeah. come close to you.
1: Or had it somewhere nearby that she can't even see it.
0: Yeah. The minions make all the workers guard the base of the tower. One of them's like, kill anyone who dares approach, and this will be our day of glory. His friend is like, well, punned. And he's like, well, it just came to me, but this poor guy just gets shot with an arrow immediately after his great pun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's how you want to go out, on a good pun. Yeah.
0: The gang's there with weapons. Ani's got a bat, just like Luke. Yep. Dawn's just chilling up top. Willow checks in with Tara, who seems to be back. The essence charting, sucking, lightning spell worked. She says she got so lost, but Willow says she found her. She'll always find her. It was a nice little moment.
1: It was. It was nice.
0: Glory's feeling better. She says so, at least. Not really sure why. And she didn't eat anything to replace what she lost with Tara. I thought she, like, needed to brain suck or she got, like, all melty. Like, they've shown that in episodes. So well, I
1: don't think she gets melty. She just gets really, like, insane.
0: Yeah. So do you think she's just insane now? But, like, her yes. strength is...
1: I think that's the only reason Buffy's able to do anything to her.
0: Okay. So maybe the effects of the sphere have worn off, and now she's just kind of insane, but she's able to fight again a bit better?
1: I would say that's what happens. I mean, that's how you have to interpret it, right? Or that she's just, like... I've been hit enough in the face that, like, I'm able to focus a little bit.
0: Yeah, or, like, adrenaline or whatever the yeah. equivalent of that is. Yeah. But she punches Buffy's head off. It was the Buffy bot. This was cool. By showing the bot in this episode, they totally set up that they were going to use it, but, like, I'd forgotten. I didn't expect it to be the bot. Right. Because she wasn't playing it the same.
1: Well, if you rewatch it, I do feel like it is a little...
0: It is a little bit.
1: It's not so obvious, you know what I mean? But it is a little bit like, oh, Buffy's a, I don't know, this seems programmed almost.
0: Willow must have reprogrammed her at some point, like today, to make her more Buffy-like and less wanting to fuck Spike all the time. (laughs) There's also this weird thing too, though, where they're like, Buffy tells them to follow Tara, and they're like, give her space, don't crowd her. I think the reason is because if we saw them all with her, there'd have to be two Buffy's because they Mm -hmm. were all walking there together. But they're always, like, far enough behind her that we just see one Buffy, which I think is the bot.
1: Ah, that's smart.
0: Unless, like, regular Buffy ran on it. They would have had to all go together because they didn't know where they were going. Yeah. But the Buffy that you do see in any of those shots is wearing the jacket, which the bot is wearing. Yep. But yet, she must have programmed her today. It seemed like it was Anya's idea to do it when they found her in the basement. But Glory's like, whoa, the Slayer's a robot? Did everybody else know the Slayer's a robot?
1: <laughs> I thought that was super funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's kind of dumb, which Buffy points out. Yeah. Buffy, real Buffy, is now behind her with the Thor hammer. troll god hammer. Dawn screams for Buffy from the top of the tower. She runs up there. A minion tries to stop her. Don't know why he thought that would work. She's still got the hammer. Glory quickly catches up to her, though. Buffy hammers her a bunch more, but her hammer eventually gets caught in some chains They do some cool fight stuff with the chains and the beams on this structure. Yeah. Glory like is never really hitting Buffy all that hard. You know, like she's she's able to fight her now, but she's not like smashing her through walls like she did when we first met her. Yeah. But Buffy eventually gets the hammer back. She takes some swings at her, but loses her balance and falls. She pulls Glory down with her. I don't know that Buffy would be okay from that. Yeah. It wasn't from the top, but they were pretty high.
1: To be fair, though, about Glory fighting Buffy, I think it's worth mentioning that, like, she's already set up that Ben's humanity is part of her and that's the only reason Buffy's alive, and they've never been more combined mm-hmm. than right now. So it's possible because of Ben, she is pulling her punches a little bit.
0: Sure, because Ben wouldn't want to hurt Buffy.
1: Yeah. That's true. Because they set up... like Ben wanted to date Buffy. Yeah. And I feel like maybe, like... He just like doesn't want to do a killing blow against Buffy.
0: They both get up pretty quickly, though. Buffy shoves Glory into an area where some green screen stuff is clearly about to happen. <laughs> She's like, you lost your hammer, sweet cheeks. What are you going to hit me with now? And then a big wrecking ball comes blasting through the wall. Xander's manning the wrecking ball truck. He says, and the glorified bricklayer picks up a spare. It was <laughs> funny, but like, <laughs> just really set up that joke
1: with that other joke. Yeah, it's also just like, hey, Buffy, if you get into a pinch, get it right there. (laughs) Get (laughs) in with this.
0: It might have been practical. I don't know if it was green screen. If it was green screen, it looked great. It was just this weird move where Buffy like shoved her away like 15 feet in front of this blank wall that was very much in focus. It's like clearly something's happening with this wall. Yeah. You're giving her a lot of space in the shot. It was cool, though, because they had no idea what kind of location they were coming to. So they didn't know there'd be a wrecking ball. Right. Did Xander just see the thing and hopped in there and waited for the right moment?
1: Yeah, he's the whole time. He's like, mm, mm not now, not now, not now, okay, okay, okay.
0: Buffy's gotten her hammer back. She keeps hitting Glory with it. It was just on the ground near where they fell. I don't know why Glory thought it was lost forever.
1: Well, Glory's dumb.
0: Right. Giles, Spike, and Anya have realized they're not making a ton of progress with the getting dawned down stuff, but Giles points out that it doesn't matter. As long as Buffy can distract Glory for like a couple more minutes, she won't be able to start the ritual. Unless someone else starts it.
1: Well, who is qualified? Who has enough schooling to know to do this?
0: Doc's back.
1: Oh, a doc?
0: He's just stopping by to say hi to Dawn a cop <laughs> the tower.
1: <laughs>
0: he's all dressed up. That's nice. He heard she was dressing up. He dressed up. Don still thinks he's a friend, but he's got a knife, and friends don't have knives.
1: <laughs> Did you just say knives?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It is so late, Brian.
1: I know, guys. It's 1, it's 2.30 in the morning right now.
0: They're probably like, how was it midnight when you started and 2.30 now? Well, it was later than midnight when we started and we edited some of the sound. Doc's winking all creepy. I like this guy. I, yeah. I wish we got more of him. Me too. I feel like he could have had some scenes with Willow. Yeah. Is he gone forever?
1: He is. He is gone forever.
0: Like, there's, why didn't he interact with Willow? They both got the black eyes. It seems like she should have, like, learned something from him, or maybe she had been. This, like, seemingly sweet old man who's actually evil is creepy, and he does it really well. Yeah. I'm going to choose to believe he'll come back.
1: Uh, he legit is not coming back, but, I mean, you're allowed to okay. feel Maybe
0: in flashbacks. Back.
1: He's he's not coming back. We find
0: out him and Willow did a bunch of stuff together? I like that. Well, Spike notices that someone is up there with Dawn, and so does Willow. She's like, oh, that's Doc. I know him from all those times we hung out. You'll see in season six. <laughs> She doesn't, but she's speaking telepathically to Spike. It's a little confusing because Spike seems to be the only one who could hear it, but his ear is also right next to this thing that kind of looks like a speaker.
1: Yeah. So it's like, how is she talking? to him? Anyway.
0: Yeah. For a second, I was like, she's somehow talking to him through that, but they also show her and her lips aren't moving. But she tells him, I guess she could speak to Spike telepathically now, that he needs to get up there right now. He's like, well, there's like 20 people guarding it. She's like, just go. So he starts running. Willow grabs Tara's hand, and they do that thing like they did in Hush, I guess, where they hold hands and can move vending machines. But in this case, the vending machine is like 20 people that they throw out of the way, so Spike can get through and run
1: up the structure. They were probably trying to help. Those minions and stuff were like, this structure can only hold like one and a half people. Like, there's no chance uh, another adult can go up there and this will <laughs> not fall down.
0: Apparently, Tara's all better. She can do magic now. Yeah. Spike reaches the top. Dawn sees him and yells his name. I know she's in a very stressful situation, but I feel like I would have kept my mouth shut and just let Spike take Doc by surprise from behind.
1: But we know Dawn is unable to keep her mouth shut ever. Her number one power is that she can scream. Her second power is that she can destroy all reality. But yes. her number one power is that she can be loud.
0: Yeah, she's not great at decision making. Spike's like, aren't you supposed to be dead? Doc's like, aren't you? Spike's like, come on, let's let's have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> doc's like yeah i'm i'm kind of busy spike's like well this won't take long and doc's like no i i don't imagine it will and then he like fucking teleports behind spike and stabs him in the back with the knife like richard
1: (laughs) he just gets behind spike it's like dawn's gonna be living in the pool house
0: he backstabs him richard front stabs lorelei that's true doc's cool man (laughs) (laughs) really sad doc
1: dies. Wish it had been Dawn, man.
0: There are a couple shots where you can see Dawn behind Doc, and it mm-hmm. just looks like a wig on a pole. Like they shot some stuff without Michelle, but it's weird. It's just Michelle like a was face- probably like,
1: "I don't feel comfortable on this structure." <laughs>
0: yeah, it's just like a faceless blob of unmoving hair. It, it could That's be a case how I would of describe
1: the- Dawn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could be a case of the Hulu remastering issue, but it seems enough in frame that would have been an issue no matter what edit you watched it with. Maybe yeah. not though. I'm sure we'll get letters letting us know.
1: From Michelle Drakenbird, I heard you called me a blob.
0: (laughs) Spike's like, you can't kill her. Doc's like, you don't have a soul. Why do you even care? Spike says he made a promise to a lady. Doc's like, oh yeah? Tongue punch. Remember, he's got that punchy tongue. He doesn't punch him. He just kind of sticks it out and distracts Spike, which knocks Spike off balance, and Doc throws him off the tower. Buffy's just still hitting Glory with the hammer. Glory's getting upset, like, sad. Like, she doesn't understand how Buffy's able to keep doing this. And then she turns into Ben, who tells Buffy he's sorry. Buffy's like, tell Glory it's over and never come near me and my friends again. Ben's like, we won't, I promise. That seems like not a promise you can make, but okay. Buffy runs off, just trusting this, resigned to having trapped Glory inside of him forever, I guess. She wouldn't be trapped inside him necessarily, though, right? Like, she could still pop out and kill Buffy and her friends, even if the key thing doesn't happen.
1: I agree that that is a possibility. I mean, Giles says as much, but like, right. she's not going to have a need for the key after tonight, so that is something to consider.
0: Sure. I feel like she'd kill Buffy out of retaliation, though, which is what Giles says. Yeah. Giles comes in. Sorry, Ripper comes in. He asks Ben if he could move. Ben's like, in a minute, I don't know. And he tells Giles that Buffy could have killed him. She didn't. Giles is like, no. She couldn't. And soon, Glory will come back out and Make Buffy and the world pay for that mercy. Buffy knows that, but she still couldn't take a human life because she's a hero. She's not like us. And Ben's like, us? And then Giles puts on his glasses and grabs Ben's nose and presumably suffocates him. He kills him. Yeah. Giles.
1: He does what he said he was going to do. When he told Buffy early in the episode, you know, I was sworn to protect... Everything, and to make the decisions that other people, like Buffy, like heroes, couldn't make.
0: Giles, look at you, being all bad so Buffy can be good.
1: It's awesome. It's poetic. It's beautiful.
0: It's nice.
1: That line where he says, like, Buffy can do it because she's a hero. She's not like I." Just, I just thought the scene was honestly amazing. A well-written, well-foreshadowed, and just, like, one of the best lines Giles says in the entire show. Yeah. Buffy's a hero.
0: But also, like, makes I need a freaking Giles prequel, man. Like, has he killed some people? Like, what has he done?
1: Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, I do want to know, too.
0: It, it feels like he puts on this professor facade, and he is, like, cultured, I think. But I feel like there's so much more darkness in him that we don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get the impression that he isn't, like, proud of that darkness. He is like, maybe had a redemption, you know, arc.
0: Mm-hmm. Pre-Buffy.
1: Right, because the darkness probably led to some people being hurt, so he doesn't want to embrace that. But, like, this scene, the way he says, like, Buffy's a hero, you can just see this, like, admiration in his, like, voice and eyes. Like, he's just like, yeah. I don't know. It's great. It's great.
0: Meanwhile, Doc starts the bleeding. Oops. Does he say oops?
1: No, he says shallow cuts, shallow <laughs> cuts. He doesn't say, it like, Donald Trump. I don't know why I said it like that. Shallow cuts, the shallowest cuts.
0: He is singing it like it's a children's poem, though. Yeah. Buffy's made it to the top. He gets ready to try some of his sneaky moves on Buffy, but Buffy's like, nope, just shoves him (laughs) off the side.
1: So funny. It's just like, no, you're not in the show anymore.
0: (laughs) I guess she is a lot stronger than Spike. Spike had a whole moment with him. She doesn't even know who this guy is.
1: Yeah, he turns around. He's all like, this will be interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dawn cuts Buffy loose, but the bleeding has started. Big energy ball is forming. It zaps a big hole in the ground. I think it ruins City Hall. I don't know. Some, like, creepy long-faced demons start coming out of the Matrix. Anya gets hit by some falling rubble. That seemed bad, but they never really addressed that she's not doing okay.
1: I mean, they do, because we'll get to that. We will? Yeah, just keep going.
0: There's, like, dragons flying through the portals. But Dawn knows what's up. She's ready to jump off this thing. If she did, though, her blood would still flow for a while. Like, does it not matter if she's dead and her blood is flowing?
1: It doesn't really make sense.
0: It's going to take a while for all of her blood to flow out, especially if she's flat on the ground.
1: If she just goes to the ground, will the blood stop flowing into the portal?
0: Oh, yeah, maybe because she's, like, above the portal. Climb down a few rungs.
1: I mean, I think death is supposed to be the idea. Like, her heart has to stop pumping. Like, I feel like they needed to say, like, she has to die or something. Because, yeah, if she just died, the blood would still flow.
0: Which I, I don't even really understand most of how the rest of this episode goes, but... Buffy remembers various things from the season, that her and Dawn have the same summer's blood, which is something Buffy said, no one told her that, that death is her gift. That and... trolls eat babies. <laughs> Xander <laughs> likes to bowl. Uh...
1: <laughs> She's kind of like, well, there's a lot going on here right now. Riley. <laughs> oh, yeah, Riley. Riley gets
0: sucked off by vampires.
1: God, what was that song I was listening to when my mom was crazy?
0: <laughs> she takes the information she needs and she's like
1: <laughs> what? it's like the idea that it's this powerful emotional moment but she's also getting unnecessary information from the it's
0: season. one clip from every episode <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: it's so late
1: it's- <laughs> uh, Xander was too uh, but they were the same
0: <laughs> she takes the needed information and she's like I got this one done Dawn sees what Buffy's thinking. She's like, Buffy, Buffy don't do it. But Buffy whispers all kinds of stuff to her that we don't hear.
1: Trollsy, baby.
0: <laughs> Brian, I'm trying it's to be so real here. so Buffy whispers to her sister all kinds of things. We don't hear what yet. She kisses her bye-bye on the cheek, and she runs off the tower into the energy ball. She lands at the bottom. Her friends all see her body. They're not taking it well. Spike like really breaks down. He's not excited about it. And then over all of this, we hear the things she whispered: "Trollsy baby, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don, <Dawn>, trollsy baby."
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. This is a beautiful, beautiful moment, but we got the giggles. She told Don she'll always love her, but this is the work she has to do. She says, "Tell Giles I figured it out and I'm okay." Give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them and each other now. You have to be strong. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave and live for me. And then it ends on a shot of a headstone. Buffy Ann Summers, beloved sister, devoted friend. She saved the world a lot. That was sweet and funny.
1: Um, As far as the Anya moment, when they're all looking at Buffy's body. She seems hurt. She's in Xander's hands. Mm -hmm. Like he's holding her. Now, rumor is Joss Whedon during some convention said something that may have been a joke, but it may have also been true. It's unclear that in the original script, Anya was supposed to die, but like Emma Caulfield like kept moving a little bit while like Xander was holding her. So they just kept her alive. (laughs) Don't know if that's true, but that's the rumor.
0: It seemed like maybe someone else should have died.
1: Yeah. Just because
0: Buffy's like, we're not all going to make it out of this. And only one person died. Well, I guess Ben
1: died. Well, the Buffy bot's dead. I don't know if Buffy bot's dead. You can stitch that back on. Some of those minions.
0: You know what I mean? It, it yeah. felt like Xander or Anya should die. Not should, but like could have.
1: This is one of those episodes, though, where it's so interesting because it feels rushed at the end, right? I feel like- It does. You would agree? Mm-hmm. It's all like, glory's dead, we saved the world, Buffy gets remembered. That was like it. The end. Show's over.
0: Yeah, if that was the series finale, I don't think that's how it would have ended. They would have had to like show the funeral, show the friends talking.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because I'm just like, I know Buffy's not dead or I know Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to be in the show. I don't know how it's going to be resolved. I truly have no idea. Angel came back. Buffy can come back. We'll see. I really don't know. I'll think about my predictions when it's not three in the morning and we do next week's episode. But yeah, it felt very sudden. Yeah. And like not enough closure.
1: But in the same sense, I have to say that like this episode just like really almost had like no fat on it.
0: Right, everything in the earlier scenes was like setting up for the end, like setting up all the, I was going to say props, but like, you know, the little tricks they used, like yeah. the daggersphere Sphere and the bot and the hammer. and
1: The writing was just so tight, so it mm-hmm. like, seems rushed, but it was like, yeah, they just fit everything in this episode like perfectly, like there just yeah. is not room for anything else.
0: Right. Did you think it was a good episode? You no, it was said one of the
1: worst ones. Uh, no, obviously it was one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite episode of Buffy.
0: Yeah, it was really good. I don't know
1: if it's my favorite, but it is one of my favorites for sure. It is just so good. Like I said, no fat on it. Super fun. Now, I have one criticism in this episode. I do feel like the fight with Glory, while it was cool, I would have liked to see some other stuff. I would have loved where Glory is so much stronger than Buffy, all right? And they do so many things to, like, weaken her. I would have loved to have some more martial arts where Buffy, like, uses her martial art knowledge to fight Glory better. Like, Glory's punches are stronger, but Buffy knows how to fight. Glory probably has never had to practice how to fight, you know? Yeah. Like, Glory's all just like, I'm brute force and speed. Like, nobody can beat me. So I've never had to, like, figure out the best, most efficient way to block or dodge or punch
0: yeah she's not graceful and she always falls like spread eagle i don't know if that's like <laughs> her stunt doubles thing she always falls like hard with her legs wide open it's weird
1: but this fight even though i do like when they were on the scaffolding that was kind of cool i would have liked to see more of like buffy like showcasing like no i'm just like an amazingly trained fighter and that is how i am bridging this gap in our ability
0: yeah that's in cool.
1: addition to the other ways they've weakened glory
0: Because they've also set up that she's been training all season. Yeah. Which never really paid off. Like, I don't know that we saw her use new skills or anything.
1: Right. I mean, I would argue that Buffy season four could not have fought Glory, even in this last episode. Sure. It wasn't until all this training. And I I will admit that I am... Very much into complicated, impressive fight choreography. Like, I love, like, John Wick or, like, the Kingsman movies because of the choreography. And not that's not what everybody's into. And also, this is a TV show. It's not the same thing. But, like, that, I would have, if I had to give it a critique, that's the critique I would give it. Other than that, this episode is fucking amazing. It hits all the crazy good emotional moments for every character. So many nods to all these storylines we've had the entire show. Willow turning to Xander, making a joke about, like, couldn't you have found out you were into smart girls when we had a thing? Just, like, a quick, remember the storyline? Remember how we're connected? Remember the history of the show? Giles and Buffy fighting, like, emotion and justice versus, like, logical, rational thought, like, not, in, like, in, like, the juxtaposition of those two things, heroes versus... People who aren't heroes but have to do the hard task. Like, oh, it's just wonderful. Anyway, sorry, I'm just gushing. I just thought this episode was so funny, so clever, so emotional for everybody. It's great. Again, the blood stuff doesn't really make sense, but whatever. You get what the show is going for.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I just, like, I don't understand why Buffy is able to die and solve the problem. Like, Dawn's still up there bleeding.
1: Yeah. I mean, they said, a, when they said the blood has to stop flowing... I mean, maybe that's metaphorically, it's poetic. It's like when the blood producer dies and the portal senses that it closes and Buffy produces the same blood, quote unquote. Yeah. It takes some suspension of disbelief, but I mean, so does the whole show.
0: Another, I would say negative thing about the fight at the end, it just, it's like this huge uh, apparatus that they've built, which is kind of cool. But when yeah. they're at the base of it, it's just kind of this, like, empty yard. So yeah. There's not a lot happening in it. It kind of just feels like people sitting around a lot. Yeah. But I just kept thinking, like, they use the whole buffalo. <laughs> what
1: do you mean they use the whole buffalo? Sorry.
0: Just, like, all the little things they set up. Yeah. Earlier. They all got paid off.
1: I thought that when you were giving it a criticism, and I was like, how is that a criticism? I'm sorry.
0: They use both buffaloes. Buffy and... <laughs> In my head, Buffy's short for
1: Buffalo. Buffy also kicks Glory's ass, and it's almost like I would like it if this was like a very even fight and Buffy wins, but it's close.
0: But yeah, it was really good.
1: It was good. It was great.
0: Good job, Buffy.
1: Okay, so I guess now we have to ask, which episode was better?
0: Oh, it's Buffy.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Buffy. I like Gilmore Girls, but I feel like this Buffy was real good.
0: I think the only flaws in Buffy are the blood thing is a little weird for me but let's just pretend that that all makes sense. Everything else, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Where Gilmore Girls doesn't have a ton of flaws, really. I would say that the Luke storyline was a bit over the top. Like, why is he so angry about this bike race?
1: I just feel like the writing for every single character in Buffy was just so impressively done. Mm-hmm. And Gilmore Girls was fine, but it just like wasn't quite as like perfect as Buffy's was.
0: Yeah, they both had some great moments. Like, mm-hmm. Dandra and Anya's moment was great. Everything with Buffy and Giles was good, from their fights to their. They weren't really that sweet together in this episode, really, but like, it was sweet of him what he did without her knowing even. Right. Not to Ben.
1: <laughs> sweet what he did to Ben.
0: I mean, he killed Ben in a nice way. I, I don't really know. But it wasn't the-, the best Gilmore Girl episode ever, and it's probably one of Buffy's strongest episodes ever. But I did really like Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I, I like where we're at with the family dynamic. I know people don't love that Lorelei and Rory are fighting, but I think it's interesting that Lorelai lost Rory to Emily and Richard, because that was like something she fought her whole life to not have happen. These were both so good though, Brian.
1: I thought so too. I had a great time watching them.
0: And they both end on like major cliffhangers, actually. You would say that Gilmore Girls was not a cliffhanger, but I mean technically it is. They're in the middle of a very important question.
1: Yeah, I mean, it technically is a cliffhanger. I just feel like I'm going to be rolling my eyes if Luke says anything other than yes. I'm going to be like, what is the story? What have you written that makes this make any sense?
0: And Buffy is very final. It's not really a cliffhanger, but it's still like, well, she can't just not be something. I gonna-
1: mean, it's a cliffhanger because we know there's more of the show and her name's in the title. So, yes, yes. That's what the show's about. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what they're going to do going forward but
0: was that even like a veiled attempt at a clue
1: so uh next (laughs) week
0: we won't be watching any episodes next week instead we'll be talking about season five as a whole
1: we'll be counting down our favorite moments from season five maybe point out some of our least favorites also and we'll reveal our favorite episodes of the season
0: We'll also reveal which show we voted for the most and which show we thought had a better season five overall. I think that'll be interesting, Brian.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I I think one was stronger in the beginning and one was stronger at the end. But where do they meet?
1: We'll also break down a lot of the weird connections these seasons have had.
0: Oh, will we? A new segment?
1: New segment we like to call Not Charmed. (laughs) In the meantime, though, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you think that Richard and Emily are actually betraying Lorelai, or do you think they really are doing what they legitimately think is best?
0: Were you surprised by Xander's proposal?
1: Do you think that Rory should be able to just trust Mitchum Huntsberger, or do you think she should read into the fact that he may have ulterior motives? Do you think he's got ulterior motives?
0: Who needs a Doc and Giles prequel?
1: Doc and Giles, Ripper and Doc. I'm just trying out theme songs.
0: I got that. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more.
1: Or send us an email at Reviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an E-Y.
0: For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly livestream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Haley St. Paul. Thank you.
1: And for more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and
0: If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bio.
1: And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming podcast.
0: Brian, it is six in the morning.
1: It's not six. It's getting there. Jesus Christ.
0: It's maybe our longest one. We'll see how the edit shakes out
1: uh, Dean warned us is what happened yeah okay. you should
0: have listened to Dean
1: <laughs> should have listened to Dean
0: Cholzie Babies Chosy babies. Chol-Z babies bye